0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, July 9th, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. Among the dietary changes recommended by the federal government over the past several decades, a market reduction in the consumption of fat, particularly saturated fat. This advice has altered the diets of millions of Americans and has contributed to chronic health problems. Terence Keeley is author of a forthcoming Cato paper, Why Does the Federal Government Issue Damaging Dietary Guidelines? We spoke last week. There was a diet a very long time ago, I believe it was called the Banting Diet, uh, that focused on uh, getting refined sugar, about getting uh, wheat and and grains and things like that out of your diet, and focused on uh, sort of a low-carbohydrate uh, lifestyle. And that had, it was a fad, it lasted for a while, um, and then throughout the 50s and 60s, uh, corporate America uh, and uh, presumably later on the government said, no, 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 this is the the way you want to eat is uh, whole grains, relatively high carbohydrate, lower fat. Was that the first time that we saw a a sort of demonization of fat or does it go back further?
1: Well, funnily enough, there are two bantings and they each associated with the same diet. There was a banting uh, in England in the 19th century or even late 18th century, who was personally a very fat man. And he discovered, to his surprise, that the best diet he could come up with to lose weight was a very low-carbohydrate diet. He said you should avoid potatoes and wheat and all that sort of thing. And then one of his descendants was the Banting in Toronto, who discovered insulin as the treatment of diabetes. He won a Nobel Prize, one of the great men. Um, this is not a sexist point, one of the great men of science, because he happened to be a man, um, who discovered that insulin uh, treated diabetes. But as part of his work, he showed that the diabetics would have a much better control of their diabetes if they had a very, very low carbohydrate diet. They would therefore need less insulin, and therefore it would be easier to manage their condition. And when I was a boy, 40, 50 years ago, low sugar, low carbohydrate foods were completely normal for diabetics. And that was all really sensible stuff. What's extraordinary is the way all that ancient wisdom, which after all goes back nearly 200 years, was completely discarded by the fat uh, demonization story. And then quite suddenly in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, Fat became the enemy, and carbohydrate became the good. That's how that story emerged. So, what do we know about
0: fat? What have we learned about fat in the last several decades? And uh, you know, as you note in your paper that just came out at the Cato Institute, that the government essentially chose the side of of uh, low fat, high carb when it uh, when it began issuing dietary guidance, and that's been the case for for a long time. Um, uh, you know what what do we know what have we known since 1977 when the government issued that dietary advice what have we learned about fat
1: you know we know surprisingly little and perhaps the best way of looking at diet today is to acknowledge we know much less about it than we would like so the whole fat thing came in because in the 60s and 70s uh, uh, an american physiologist called ansel keys proposed that because uh, heart disease, which was then epidemic, was caused by fat accumulating in the heart, therefore, we should eat less heart uh, less fat i 'm sorry um, He came up with that theory, and about the, the one thing we know is that theory is not correct. on the other hand, we don't know why the epidemic of heart disease has really gone away to an astonishing degree. There are many, many fewer deaths, many, many, many fewer deaths from heart disease than there used to be. It would be nice to think it's because we now have statins and we now have treatments for hypertension. Uh, But I'm afraid that although those things have probably made a difference at the margin, the truth is we don't really know where the epidemic of heart disease came from, and we we don't really know why it's gone away. And since the whole fat thing came in because people had supposed incorrectly, we now know, that fat had caused this epidemic, we're now left, in a sense, not knowing where we are. The only thing we probably know, and you'll notice from my voice that I'm being slightly hesitant here, but what we probably know is that uh, carbohydrates are bad for you. There's really very little doubt. Carbohydrates give all the wrong sorts of fats circulating in your bloodstream. Trans fats, which fortunately are now going fast, are really bad for you plant fats are almost certainly positively good for you. In the Mediterranean diet, which is a diet uh, around the Mediterranean, obviously, where people tend to live a long time, that may be a coincidence, but it may actually be very good for you. Um, uh, Plant fats such as olive oils and nuts and that sort of fat, the same sort of fats, by the way, you get in fatty fish. They're quite similar. Fish is to be distinguished from meat. Fatty fish oils tend to be very good for you. And so what we think we know is that animal fats are probably neutral, plant fats and fish fats are probably good for you, and carbohydrates are probably bad for you. And that's probably about as much as we really know. All right. So uh, with
0: respect to the habits of Americans, you point very strongly to this dietary advice that the government gave. And and even today, it's, it seems like you're saying that We don't know. The government certainly doesn't know enough to issue this kind of advice, much less advice that is as strong in its recommendations as it was then and is now.
1: No, I think the government has really made a fool of itself consistently for four, nearly five decades. There's a good joke that goes around the world in nutrition, um, that if you take the famous pyramid that used to come out, the food pyramid, if you take that pyramid, it's really valuable. This is how the joke goes. Turn it upside down and follow that advice, and that's how you'll do well. So the fact the government used to tell you to eat lots of carbohydrates, well, we now know we shouldn't eat carbohydrates. The government used to tell you to avoid fat, well, we now know that fat is neutral, sometimes possibly even good for you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the dietary advice from the government has consistently been wrong and bad. And of course, partly it's because it's institutionally impossible for the government to give good advice. For example... It's the United States Department of Agriculture responsible for giving us food advice. Well, the United States Department of Agriculture is absolutely in the pocket of the food lobbyists. Of course it is. And so the very body that Congress has tasked to give us food advice is actually... In the pocket of the lobbyists of the food producers, they're not on our side; they're on their side. It's an it's an it's an insanity, and there are a whole series of government institutional blocks like that to giving us good advice.
0: So, uh, with respect to fat, we are seeing some change, and and how people view fat. There are you know several popular diets that stress that that if not. A lot of, if most of your calories should be coming from uh, fat, and th- those are gaining in popularity. And yet we have this sort of institutional inertia, in a way, with respect to dietary advice that says, no, 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 if, if you start taking that advice and you're shown to be correct, we lose all of our money, or we lose all of our uh, institutional
1: support. You know, it's not institutional inertia. It's, it's, it's more active than that. The government has adopted a philosophy that unless you can prove that something is good for you, it won't support it. So what the government does, it's got historically, and here your word inertia is correct, historically it's inherited a series of policy prescriptions. Carbohydrates are good for you, fat is bad for you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it will not change those, not just because of inertia, but because it's also got a philosophy that unless you can actually prove that something is good for you then it will continue to say it's bad for you so uh, a classic example for that is cholesterol in the diet we have known as scientists for 40 years 40 years that high cholesterol foods are not bad for you eggs are fine for eggs are positively good for you kidneys fine all those stuff, foodstuffs of high cholesterol are not bad for you but it took the government 40 years to acknowledge that because they demanded proof. They demanded you actually proved that these foods are not bad for you. And so you have a very unfair system. It's unfair to the to the consumer, to the average American. It's really unfair that 40 years ago, scientists could say high cholesterol foods are bad for you, just on a whim, no evidence, just a thought. And that thing gets locked in for advice. And to reverse that advice takes 40 years. Of really active research. And so the government is extremely reluctant to change its advice, partly, I think, because of just pride. They don't want to be seen to have got it wrong. And so they make it really hard to show that they have long been wrong for a very long time. So your advice here uh, seems to be fairly tentative,
0: uh, with because we just, as you say, we just don't know a lot about how fat works uh, in, our, in our bodies. So... Can we really say that the government in offering such uh, substantial uh, levels of advice in the 70s and beyond, are they really culpable for a lot of the problems that we've seen uh,
1: health-wise with Americans? Well, I think they're culpable for the obesity epidemic uh, and and type 2 diabetes epidemic. Let's just put those in perspective. However, um, we live in an incredibly benign environment. Every year that we live, and this is an extraordinary fact, every year that we live, our life expectancy goes up by three months. Um, Every hour that we live, our life expectancy goes up by 15 minutes. Every day that we live, our life expectancy goes up by six hours. And this has been going on since 1830, for nearly 200 years. We are living longer and healthier every year, and we've done so for nearly 200 years. Now, we know that in middle America now, with the opioid epidemic and other health crises like that, these really benign trends are slightly reversing, which is a tragedy, but it's almost nothing to do with nutrition. What we are also seeing, however, is this obesity and type 2 diabetes epidemic. What I'm saying is this epidemic is on the back of this extremely healthy long-term trend, so we shouldn't get too uptight about it. Having said all that, I absolutely blame the government for the type 2 diabetes and epidemic uh, and obesity epidemic because A, the government have advised us to eat carbohydrates and carbohydrates make you fat in the way fat doesn't make you fat. Not because a calorie of carbohydrate somehow makes you more fat than a calorie of fat because that doesn't work that way. But because the way carbohydrates work is they tend to make you feel hungrier. Once you eat a carbohydrate, it tends to provoke Hunger in the body a few hours later in the way that fat doesn't. So, the government, has, by promoting carbohydrates, has absolutely promoted the type 2 diabetes and uh, fat epidemic. But the other thing that the government hasn't done, and this is a, a sin of omission, they haven't taken on the food producers. If you look at fast food, what's really bad about fast food and what's really bad about so much food on the supermarket shelves is it's packed. Full of nutrition. So you take a mouthful of a burger or something and you're ingesting an extraordinary number of calories. You're eating far too much. These foods, in a sense, are far too tasty, far too delicious. And because they've been so intensively processed, far too full of calories. We should all be trying to eat traditional foods, old foods, foods cooked at home, slow foods. And the government has done nothing, in a sense to protect us from the food manufacturers. And there I do blame the government, partly because our dietary advice, as I've said before, comes from the United States Department of Agriculture, and they're on the side of the producers and not the consumers.
0: Terence Keeley is author of the new Cato paper, Why Does the Federal Government Issue Damaging Dietary Guidelines? Available tomorrow at Cato.org. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.